Matthew chapter 2, and uh, listen, it's 746. I'm not going to keep you long tonight. I know, you, I know that you have a lot going on. I appreciate your faithfulness. I appreciate you being here tonight. I really do. And uh, you had a choice. Nobody made you come tonight. So I appreciate you uh, choosing to be in the Lord's house tonight. Matthew chapter number 2. The Christmas story is an amazing story. It's, um, sometimes it's that story we only preach from around the Christmas holiday. And I'm not so sure that's really a good thing. Uh, and um, I'm going to be honest with you, God has sort of given me a, um, a mini-series uh, on uh, Christmas. And I don't know, we'll just wait and see what the Lord does. I'd like to preach this whole thing if God lets me preach it. But if that's the case, it may mean we're preaching on Christmas all the way into January. So um, we'll just wait and see what happens. And I'm calling it the cast and characters of the Christmas story. And, uh, but anyway, we'll, we'll just, we'll go first base tonight. How's that? And that's as far as we'll go tonight. Matthew chapter two in your Bibles. And when you find your place, if you're able to stand, let's all stand out of respect for the reading of God's word. And what I was going to say is this, that after preaching from the Christmas story for 30 years, you know, it's always amazing how you can go back and read the Christmas story and it's got something fresh again after 30 years of preaching. It's like, Wow. Why did I never see that before? And so I hope maybe uh, we'll give you a little something tonight. It'll be a blessing to you. Matthew chapter 2, verse number 1. The Bible says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Now, if we get into it a little bit later, we'll tell you why Herod was so troubled. And there's several different reasons behind that. Um, verse 4, and when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, and thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not thou the least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also." When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star, which they saw in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. This was a very interesting star. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh, and being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And so we find several, several characters in the Bible story, and uh, I'm just going to give you one of them tonight, all right? Uh, and, uh, and so I want to talk to you about that subject, what we learn from the wise men. And so you may be seated tonight, and we'll jump into this very simple Bible study, and I trust it'll be a blessing to you. What we learn from the wise men. Let's pray tonight. Father, we thank you for your blessings. And Lord, thank you for this opportunity to have church one more time before we celebrate the Christmas holiday. 
Now, Lord, this is a very special time. And as I mentioned on Countdown to Courage today, Lord, it is commercialized and uh, even sometimes paganized. But Lord, it's still that time of the year when the whole world, Lord, sort of thinks about that time when we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll help us to, Lord, help us, although we may not get involved in all the things that the world does, Lord, this is a good time for the church. And it's a good time for us to to think and and to ponder and to uh, be grateful and to be thankful as we think about, Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ coming to be born. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll teach us something tonight from your word. Father, please clear the way that your will might be accomplished. Father, I pray that you would bind the powers of darkness and God, please keep them away from this place and this people and this pastor and this pastor's family and these families. And Lord, I pray that your blessings would be, Lord, would be here tonight. Bless our discussion. I pray that we'll say something that would strike a, a chord or a nerve, something that would go home with our people, something that would be a blessing but Lord, most of all, something that would honor Christ and, and glorify him tonight. We pray for the power and the unction of the Holy Ghost. And Heavenly Father, we love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake, and all God's people said, amen. And so the story that we read tonight is not only one of the greatest stories in Scripture, but I'm going to be honest with you, the church, I believe it's one of the greatest stories ever given to mankind. And as I mentioned Sunday evening, especially when you, if you're in Matthew chapter, uh, Matthew chapter two, you turn back just a page and of course you're in that divider between Old Testament and New Testament. And uh, my Bible right here, there's just one page. Your Bible's probably similar to that. And, but that one page represents 400 long years of silence. God has been silent for 400 years. The prophet has not, have, have not prophesied in God's name. There's been no open vision, no open revelation. And for 400 years, God has been, has been completely silent. And then after 400 years, God speaks. And this is what he speaks. The story of, of Christmas, the story of his son being born. God became flesh. God loved mankind so much that he was willing to send his only son. And it's hard for our little minds to sort of uh, compress all that, but God came in the form of Jesus. Jesus came as what we call the incarnation. He was God enrobed in human flesh which means somehow that he was 100% God. He was 100% deity. In other words, when Jesus Christ came, he didn't put off his divinity. He was God. And so when Jesus came, he didn't cease being God. He was still just as much God as he's ever been. And so he's 100% deity, and yet he is 100% man. Sometimes it's hard for us to to comprehend all that. We learned this in our college where we're teaching at. Brother Jeremy made this statement the other day and I loved it and I wrote it down. And someone said the son of God became as the sons of men so the sons of men could become like the son of God. 
Boy, how true that is. And so we read the story, and when we read the Christmas story, we have several major players. And so we have the Magi, which we're going to talk about tonight, the, what I'm going to call the Magi Seekers. And then we have the murderous Sultan, and then we have the miraculous star, which was not like any other star that's ever been recorded. And then, of course, we have the mighty Savior. Now, if we get time and if the Lord leads, we'll, we'll get into all that. But tonight, I want to focus just on these fellows tonight. I want to talk to you a little bit about the, the Magi or the wise men, and specifically what we learn from the wise men. Did you know there's a reason God put that in your Bible? There's something that we can glean. The Bible says that his word never returns void. And so this is not just something that, you know, people can decorate for Christmas and talk about the wise men and we can sing about we three kings and all that. No, no, no. There is something very practical. And I believe we're going to give you something very practical tonight that we can learn from the wise men or what we, what we know is the Magi. Now look at Matthew chapter two in your Bibles and look at verse number one. And the Bible says, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, of Judea in the days of Herod the king. Notice here, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. So I want to ask a question. Who were these wise men? Number one. And number two, why were these wise men so consumed with seeking the Christ child? You ever wondered about that? What, what was it about these fellas? who lived so many miles away, and yet they were, they were consumed with coming to seek the Christ child. The phrase wise man in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, comes from the Greek word magos or, or magi. And it's the idea of an oriental scientist. If you go back and study that out, these wise men, some have likened them to kings. By the way, we have nothing in Scripture really that tells us there were just three. It could have been many, many more uh, than just three. Some say there were 300 kings or 300 wise men that came. Uh, but we, don't, we do know this, that according to the Scripture here, they were something in the form of oriental scientists. They were known as magicians or soothsayers or even fortune tellers, some even call them sorcerers. If you look up that word magi or magos uh, in the Greek, it's the idea of a sorcerer or specifically an astrologer. And so these men, if you study this out, these men had an incredible reputation of being very superstitious men. Well, that, uh, that lends weight to our question. Now, why were these astrologers? Why were these, at least history would tell us, sorcerers, why, would, why were these men so serious about coming to see the Christ child? Well, that leads us to our first point tonight, and that's this. Number one, we see the influential power of a witness. The influential power of a witness, the origin. Now, think about this. The origin of the Magi was known to be Babylon or Persia. And, uh, uh, and so if you can hit the rewind button many, many years from the Christmas story, these wise men that went to see the Lord Jesus, uh, uh, think about this. Babylon was conquered or Babylon conquered Israel. And remember this in the Old Testament, when Babylon conquered Israel, they forced Hebrew slaves to be brought to Babylon. Y'all remember that? Uh, and so uh, and this is just the, the fact that when, when Babylon came in and conquered, they just killed most of the people. They 
killed the uh, moms and dads. Daniel's parents probably didn't survive. They probably were brutally killed. Uh, and so they would, and then they would do this. They would look out among the Hebrews. They would look out uh, for those folks that were just exceptional people, those people that seemed to be very smart, very, uh, you know, very well kept. And they would bring those people back uh, to, to Babylon. And so that's exactly what happened. Well, uh, in those slaves that were bra- bought uh, back to Babylon were, uh, were some very uh, important names. How many remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? We call them the three Hebrew children. Well, these young men were, uh, and they probably were young men, but these young men were uh, very, uh, very smart. They were very wise men. But then there was another man that was brought back with them, and his name was Daniel. Daniel. Uh, and so not only were these probably exceptional Hebrews, but then the Babylonian kingdom would bring these men in and they would, uh, they would college them and school them and they would teach them and train them. Uh, and, but there was something different about these slaves than some of the other slaves that were brought in. These slaves, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and specifically Daniel, these men were followers of not many gods. These men were followers of Almighty God. They were followers of Jehovah. And, uh, and, they, and they, by the way, they made that very clear. And you know that story, and we don't have time to go into all that story tonight. But you remember the story when the king said, I'm going to start playing the music. And he made this big golden idol. And he said, I'm going to play this music. When you, play, when you hear the music, everybody's going to fall down and they're going to worship the, the golden idol. Which, by the way, that golden idol was probably a likeness of the king. And so you're going to fall down and worship this golden idol. But there were three who wouldn't bend and they wouldn't bow. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, uh, and then a little bit later on, we, we know the story about Daniel and the den of lions. Nobody was allowed to pray to any god other than the king. And if you prayed to any other deity other than the king, you know, you were going to be cast into a den of lions. And so uh, the Bible says, you know the story, the Bible says that Daniel uh, went in and, and prayed just like he always did. And sure enough, they threw him into the den of lions and God shut the lions' mouths. And so it's believed that Daniel not only became one of the Magi, but eventually Daniel became the leader of the Magi in Babylon. And if you go back and study, and this is just neat, and maybe this is a little speculation possibly, but if you go back and study some of the history It's believed that Daniel's witness and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their witness had such a profound impact upon these wise men, these magi, that the magi began to study instead of superstition and astrology and Eastern religion, that these magi began to study biblical prophecy. And by the way, I guess you would, wouldn't you? If you saw three Hebrew men that were thrown into a fiery furnace and they came out and didn't even smell like smoke. Or if you saw a man thrown into a den of lions, a a den of hungry lions, and yet he slept there all night and God shut the lions. I guess guess you would pay attention to those men. And so these magi begin to pay attention to Daniel and these other other witnesses and uh, and they begin begin to study biblical prophecy. And one of those biblical prophecies that Daniel spoke of, and one of those biblical prophecies that they begin to study about was the, was the prophecy that spoke of a coming king. 
And not only was this king going to come, but his coming was going to be announced by a supernatural star. Numbers chapter 24, verse number 17, we read it for you Sunday. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, Israel, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. Now, again, you say, Pastor, where did these guys come from? I mean, they they live in the east. They live hundreds and hundreds of miles away. You didn't have email, you didn't have newspapers, you didn't have phones, you didn't have uh, any of the modern ways that we communicate today, and yet these men came from afar, and they came to worship the Lord Jesus Christ, and and someone says, uh, uh, and by the way, they came from a land where there was totally different religion, totally different belief system, and yet they travel all this distance to, to worship the Christ child, and somebody says, Pastor, where did these guys come from? You know what I believe? I believe that Daniel witness had such an impact and those Magi began to study biblical prophecy and then all these years later I don't know how many came I don't know if there were three or three hundred but I do know this that these men evidently were believers and they came all the way to Israel to worship a Christ child now you say pastor What is your point tonight? My point is this. Don't ever be deceived into believing that your witness isn't making a difference. Sometimes we feel like that. Sometimes we, you know, we go to work, we try to live a good testimony and we don't cuss like they do. do, And, you know, we don't look at the bad things like they do and we don't go to the same parties that they do. And, and, uh, and, and we, we don't act, you know, proud or, or, or cocky or anything like that, but, but we just don't do that. And, and they know we go to church and, 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 and all those kind of things. And sometimes you say, preacher, I've been, I, I've been trying to be a witness at work or I've been trying to be a witness at school, but you know what? It's just not making a difference and they're not paying attention. I want to tell you something tonight that your witness is making more of a difference than you know it is. And so just because you don't see immediate results doesn't mean that your witness is not going to make a difference down the road. And so, listen, I want to say something here tonight. Uh, People are watching. People are paying attention to you. You say, Pastor, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a deacon. I'm not a Sunday school teacher. People are paying attention to you. Every single person has a following. Somebody's watching. Somebody's watching your testimony. Somebody's paying attention to you. And Calvary, listen, that leads us to a very serious admonition here. Once you start living for God, you can't ever go back. You can't ever go back. You see, if you get in church and you start living for the Lord, you may not think anybody's paying attention, but I'll promise you this, somebody's paying attention. Your family's paying attention. And by the way, they may not talk about it in your presence, but they're talking about it. Well, I notice so-and-so doesn't cuss like he used to. He used to cuss with the best of us. You know, I noticed, honey, I noticed the other day we went over to so-and-so's house and they didn't have any beer in the uh, icebox. I noticed that when they have get-togethers, they're not having drinking parties anymore. I noticed that uh, their car's not there on Sunday. I understand they're going to church on Sunday morning, and you're not going to believe this, but I even heard they're going back on Sunday night. And they really must be a part of a cult or something because they even go on Wednesday night. Can you believe that? They even go on Wednesday night. Now, folks are watching. 
They're watching your testimony. They're watching your witness. And here's the thing. If you ever turn around and go the other way, you're doing a lot of damage. You're going to do a whole lot of damage. There is always somebody who is hoping that you will make it. Somebody's rooting for you. But there's also always somebody who's hoping you won't make it. And when they see you go back to the cursing and the drinking and they go, go back to the carousing and going back to the, you know, the worldly parties and all that kind of stuff, you know what? They're just waiting because they want some bullets to put in their gun. And, and when you go back, they want to say, I told you. I told you it wouldn't last. I told you there's nothing to that Christianity thing. I, I told you. And so listen, church, I, I just want us to know that there is, there is power in a testimony. There's power in your witness. And I know that especially even now with Christmas time and all the things that are going on and you're going to be getting together with family and they don't believe like you believe. And they don't live like you live. And, 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 and uh, listen, I want to encourage you to be Christ-like and, and let your testimony shine and let the light of Jesus Christ shine through you and, and don't compromise your position and don't compromise your standards and, and that you stand your ground and you be faithful. Why? Because people are watching watching your witness. And so we see the influential power of a witness, but how about this? Number two, I love this. Number two, we see the importance of dedication. Now look back in your Bibles again, Matthew chapter two, this is amazing. Matthew chapter two, verse number one with me. The Bible says, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, look at look what it says, behold, there came wise men, where'd they come from? They came from the what? They came from the east to Jerusalem. Did you know that, that many scholars concur on this? It's believed that these wise men probably traveled for at least a year to come to Bethlehem. Now, I, you know, we, my wife and I, we've only been there once. But I know when we, when we traveled from Galilee to, uh, to Jerusalem, and whenever you travel to Jerusalem, it's always up. Jerusalem is up. And when we traveled from uh, just Galilee to, to Jerusalem, uh, the, the closer you get to Jerusalem, the more desertous it becomes. In fact, by the time you're getting really, really close to Jerusalem, I mean, it's, it's like something you see on pictures. I mean, there's not a blade of grass. There's not a bush. There's just uh, sand and hills and hills of sand. Uh, and so think about it. This would have been a very long and arduous journey. Very, very hot during the day. In fact, I think it was 116 degrees the, uh, one of the days that we were there in Israel. Uh, and uh, there was some humidity there. And so it, it would have been very hot during the day and it would have been very cold at night. Not only that, but it, it would have been very dry. You know what that means? That these wise men, boy, they had to know what they were doing. You're not gonna, you know, you don't stop at 7-Eleven, you know, get a, a biggie drink or, or whatever the case, yeah, that don't happen. You gotta know where the water holes are. Uh, if you don't, you'll thirst to death out there. And so it's very, very dry. It's very, very long. And I'll tell you something else. It's very, very dangerous. It's very dangerous to travel back in this day and time. And so understand something. It took them a long time to get there. That's exactly why the Bible tells us 
when the wise men visited, they visited a house, not a stable. And they didn't visit the baby. They visited a child. Look at it. Look at it in your Bibles today. Look at Matthew chapter 2, verse number 9. The Bible says, when they, when they had heard, verse 9, when they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Verse 11, and when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. You know, sometimes... You'll see these depictions where uh, 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 it's Joseph and Mary and the babes laying in the manger and you got the shepherds over here and they're bowing on this side and the wise men are on this side. You know, that's cute, but it's not scriptural. Because by the time the wise men made it to Jerusalem, uh, Joseph and Mary had long, long left the stable and they were uh, they were in a home now, and the child was no longer a babe. The, the, the babe had become a child. And so it's good for us to understand that. Now, let me give you, we're going to close, but let me give you some very practical applications that we see in this story that we read tonight. How about this? Number one is this. These wise men were determined to come to the Lord's house. Did y'all see that? They came to the Lord's house. Now, I know it wasn't a house like this house, like this Lord's house. But wherever the Lord is, that's the Lord's house. Amen? And they were determined to come to the Lord's house. What do you mean, preacher? They weren't content with waiting for Jesus to come to them. Neither were they content with worshiping from afar. They could have done that. They have been studying prophecy, biblical prophecy. They've been studying about the star. They've been studying about Bethlehem. They've been studying about, you know, the Christ child's gonna come. And you know what? Listen to me now, church. These men could have stayed where they were and they could have said, well, you know what? We're just gonna worship from here. Because if we have to go way over there, man, it may take us a year or more to get there. It's going to be super inconvenient. And it's going to be dangerous. And it's going to be long. And it's going to be cold. And it's going to cost money. But these men weren't looking for convenience. And I wrote this down in my outline. And I highlighted it. And I put it in all caps. These men weren't satisfied with just knowing about the Savior. They wanted to meet him personally. Practical application, you better know that's a practical application. Did you know tonight it's not enough for you just to know about him? You've got to know him. And we meet people all the time who say, if you die, do you know for sure you go to heaven? Oh yeah, I know about Jesus. I know about him. He was a good man, a good teacher. He was a healer. You ever met him? I don't, I, I've never met him, but I worship him from afar. Church, I'm going to tell you something. That's not enough. These men were determined. We're going. We, we're, it's not enough just to read about him. It's not enough just to hear prophecy about him. It's not enough just to study about him. Uh, listen, they wanted to meet him personally. And this is what I found here in the scripture. And when they, when they met him personally, they came to his house. You said, preacher, you're bending the scripture around. I don't think so. I think this is just common sense. 
They, they were determined to come to his house. I like what the psalmist said in Psalm 122, verse 1. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I like what the psalmist said in Psalm 84, verse number 10. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. I like what the psalmist said in Psalm 61, verse number 4. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the cover of thy wings. Oh, listen to to me. You know what I believe? I believe it's time that we have some Christians who get determined and dedicated to get back to the house of the Lord. And we got all these Christians saying, well, you know, I want to know the Lord and they want to know him so bad and yet they never want to come to church. Amen. If you want to know him, you'll come to where he is. And you're not going to know him when you're bebopping around at Carowinds on Sunday and, and, uh, and, and I'm all, listen, I love bass fishing as much as the next guy does, but you're not going to know him when you're on Lake Norman on Sunday morning bass fishing or you're hitting a little white ball uh, around a green on Sunday. Listen, if you want to know him, you better get to his house. Man, me too, Brother Rodney. I like it. I seen that and I was like, wow. Man, Lord, I never noticed that before. And so, letter A, these men were determined to come to the Lord's house. But watch this. Watch this, folks. Letter B is this. When they came into his house, it encouraged worship. Look at verse 11. The Bible says, and when they were come. Now, here, they've, this has been a long journey. Good night. They're probably tired. You reckon these guys are tired? There was no such thing as a Cadillac back in this day, friend. It was a one-humper or a two-humper, <laughs> pretty much. And there was no, you know, there was no Hampton Inn. It was sleeping under the stars and just making the best of it. And, and verse 11 says, and when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. Man, look what happened. And fell down and worshiped him. I looked up that word worship, and it's the idea of reverence. You know what I see here? When they experienced the Savior, it caused holy reverence. They had heard about him. They had studied him. They had heard teaching on him. Yes! Boy, I'm telling you, nobody else is getting anything tonight. I'm, I'm getting it. Man, whoa, I'm getting it good tonight. I, really, I mean, they, all these things they had heard about him and all these things, but when they finally came into his presence. And although here he was, just this little Christ child, when they came into his presence, you know what it convinced them to do? We need to worship. (laughs) We're in the presence of the Holy One. We're in the presence of the Savior. We're in the presence of the King of Kings. And encourage them to bow down, which is what worship means, by the way. Now, let me say something tonight. I'm thankful for our live stream ministry. It's a good thing. Live stream is good, but cannot and should never take the place of church. Now, now again, some folks, we we understand. Some folks are uh, invalid. They, They cannot get out. And thank God we have a live stream for those folks. Those folks are just, they wish they could come, but they can't. 
And so thank God that when they can't come here, we can send it to them. But church, and especially with COVID, the last two years, I'm telling you, what COVID has done to the church is not all physical. I believe there is a spiritual warfare that's going on. And I believe in a way at least, Satan has tried his best to, uh, to tear down the church with COVID-19. So I get it. When COVID came out and it was all new and we didn't know, you know, we, we didn't know what we were going to do and how, how bad it was going to be and, uh, and, and a lot of folk were staying home and churches weren't having services and all those kind of things. I get it. And I'm not offering criticism of any church, by the way, or anything like that. But I am, but I, I, I am saying this, that it is time to get back to the house of God. And live stream is great. Live stream is good. But let me tell you what comes with live stream, at least at our house. With live stream comes distraction. You know what? You're watching the live stream and the pintos are boiling over and the baby's crying and the phone's ringing and the kids are playing video games. And you know what happens? I had, I had a lady tell me something back. She said, I got to be honest with you. She said, it's, it's nice to roll over in bed and go to church. And I really think this, I think America has went into a state of distraction. Did you know there's something about dedicating yourself to come to his house? Away from all the other distraction. And when you come to his house, just like Sunday, you come to his house and you get into his presence. And when you get into his presence, you know what happens? It encourages worship. And you don't have all these other distractions going on. And you get in, you think, man, he really is good. Man, the choir gets to sing and you're thinking, wow, he really is a savior. He really has blessed me. He really is the King of Kings. He really is the Lord of Lords. He really did shed his blood for me. He really did come out of the grave. <laughs> oh, I want to tell you what, he is great. He is great. And you know what happens as a result of that? You want to worship. Amen. Hallelujah. Man, aren't we glad we came to church tonight? And so letter A here, we find these men were determined to come to the Lord's house. Letter B, when they came into his house and encouraged worship. Look at this and we're done. Letter C, when they came into his house, it empowered gift giving. Now look back at verse 11 again. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child. Oh, man, after all these months, after this long journey, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, what were, these, what were these gifts? Well, gold was, of course, one of the most valuable commodities known back in this day and time. But also, the gold was a symbol of his royalty, his kingship. And then the Bible says they, they offered frankincense. Think about it, frankincense. And it was used as incense. And they tell us about this thing of frankincense, that there wasn't a lot of places you could get it. You can go down to the five and dime, you know, or, or, or dollar general, and uh, kids don't even know what five and dime, five and dime is. And uh, uh, watch Andy Griffith more often, all right? And, but you couldn't go down here to dollars. You couldn't go to Walmart and get frankincense. 
They tell us that frankincense was so, it was so valuable and it was so scarce and so rare because probably frankincense came from the country of India. And so it had to be imported. And not only was it important, but it was very, very valuable. And that, that frankincense was a symbol of his deity. And then the Bible says they presented myrrh. That myrrh likewise, likewise was very valuable. It was an embalming oil. And it was a symbol of his death. You know, I read one, I read a scholar that said this, that there's a chance that all those wise men who came when they presented their gifts, there is a chance that all of those gifts would have totaled up to $4 million. Wow. But get this now, here's the practical application. They came to his house. Did y'all hear that? They came to his house and they began offering and operating gifts which is exactly what we're supposed to do as the members of his church. And I'm going to tell you something, church. It is a wonderful, wonderful thing when you come to a church like this and you walk in on a Sunday morning and you see that happening. People have come to to his house and they are giving their gifts. They're using their gifts. We saw it Sunday. Man, all day long, the music was just incredible. I mean, we got blessed Sunday morning. We came back Sunday night. We got blessed again. I mean, we got underneath the spout where the glory came, comes out. And you say, what's going on? Our people came to the house of the Lord, and they begin to exhibit their gifts. God gives these folks gifts to play instruments and guitars and, and all these instruments that they play. And then others have an instrument in their voice, and they sing. And as they exhibit their gift, it blesses. You say, well, Pastor, I, don't, I, I can't play a keyboard. I can't play a guitar. Uh, but God's given you a gift, some kind of a gift. And, and, uh, and it's wonderful to walk in on Sunday morning and see our hospitality team exhibiting their gifts as they're welcoming folks in and loving on people. And I'm telling you, man, uh, listen, y'all can sit there like a knot on a log if you want to, but you'll excuse me while I get excited tonight. And sometimes I just want to sit back in the corner. I just like to sit back in the corner and just watch this thing go and look at these people doing their gift over here. These people are using their gift over here. And these folks over here are using their gift. And, and, and you know what happens? God builds his church when that happens. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing to see. I ask you a question. Are you offering your gifts? You say, preach, I don't even know if I have a gift. You have one. If you're here tonight and you're born again, God has given you a gift of some kind. And it's important that you find out what that gift is. And that when you come to his house, that you present that gift and use it. So we're done. But can I ask you a question tonight? Could you consider yourself a wise man, a wise woman, a wise person, determined to come to the Savior's house, actively involved in worship, and engaged in using your gifts for God's glory? Man, you didn't know that was all in the Christmas story, did you? Amen. It's right there. It's right there. Let's pray tonight. Father, thank you for Wednesday night church. And Lord, thank you for speaking to my heart as I was preaching. Lord, I could feel the Holy Ghost just fanning the flames in my spirit. 
Lord, I don't even know why you'd let me come to your house. Lord, it, it really, really, it doesn't even make any sense. What right do I have to even walk in the door of this place? And I know what it is, Lord. It's because your precious son, Jesus, has redeemed me and given me that wonderful opportunity. Father, I want to be a wise man. I want to be dedicated to the house of the Lord. And Father, I want to be a wise man. When I come to your house, I want to worship. I want to be involved in worship. I'm so glad this place is not a place of politics. I'm so glad this place is not a Broadway performance. Lord, I'm so glad this is a house of worship. And Father, I pray that you help us to worship you. But also, Lord, I'm glad that this is a house where we can present our gifts. So, Lord, would you speak to hearts tonight? Are we presenting? Are we using our gift? Lord, are we doing something for the Lord, for the cause of Christ? God, help us tonight. Challenge us as we get ready to move into a brand new year, 2022. Lord, challenge us tonight. Challenge me. Father, I want to present my gifts more than I ever had before. Lord, there's somebody out here tonight, they don't know what their gift is. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll show them what their gift is tonight. Show them how you can use them for the kingdom. Lord, there's somebody out there tonight that has a gift, but they've not been using it. And Lord, it's time. It's time to fall down and start using that gift for God's glory. Father, have your way in this invitation. Speak to hearts, I pray. And we sure thank you for truth in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. How many of you here tonight would say, Preacher, if I died tonight, I know for sure I'd go to heaven. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up as a testimony? Thank the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that great? You can lower your hands. Let me ask you this. On this Wednesday night, December the 22nd, is there one anywhere tonight who would say, Pastor, I couldn't raise my hand. And if I died tonight, I'm not sure I would go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Is there one anywhere across the house tonight? Can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? Can I ask you this? Are you a wise man? Are you a wise woman? Are you wise? Would you stand with us all over the house tonight? Father, thank you for this time we've had together this evening. Lord, as we pause just for a moment, Lord, maybe there's someone here tonight and there's a need or a burden. Lord, burdens are lifted at Calvary. Maybe there's someone here tonight that, uh, Lord, they're struggling with their joy. Father, would you remind them that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And Brother Abel's playing that right now. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. God, maybe tonight someone needs to tiptoe down to this old-fashioned altar and say, Lord, would you restore the joy? Give me my joy back. Maybe someone tonight needs to pray this prayer. Lord, would you help me to let my light shine? Lord, I understand the power of a witness. Lord, would you help me to be a witness to my family, to my friends, to my coworkers. May they see Jesus Christ. 
in me. Lord, have your way in this invitation tonight. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name.